Hello survivors and welcome to a moment of relief. This is going to be a very different episode with myself, Bergs, and Amy DeZura, a former community manager for the Adventurers League, which is an organized play system for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. We hung out and spoke about D&D and tabletop RPGs in general. We hope you enjoy. Right off the top of the gate, uh, let's talk about our, what's one of your, like, thinking about D&D, it's a very meaningful thing. Dig in to each of us for our own reasons. What was the thing? What's your core memory about what makes D&D really, really great to you? Okay, me? Uh, I think my core memory isn't actually when I played D&D at all. It's when I discovered that D&D was a thing. Um, and that was back in 1997, <laughs> all the way back then, uh, when I was very young. And um, I discovered a game called Boulder's Gate, uh, which was based on AD&D. And I had a family, like my family that I had at that time, used to play AD&D, and I wasn't allowed to play because it was, we had a very it, Christian family, and it was not, you know, and I would be told, don't tell your grandparents that we're playing. Um, <laughs> and, and then Baldur's Gate came out, and I was like, I don't need to play AD&D. I have it right here. You know, and uh, I was fortunate enough that my guardian had a PC that I could play on and it had like eight discs and uh, yeah, with every act, you'd have to switch a disc out and you'd have to be like, very careful about like, not scratching the disc. Like floppy disks or CDs? No, CDs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. CDs. Yeah. Full, full CDs. The actual booklet was so nice. It was really thick. It was like a green book, I think. Floral design on it. It was beautiful. Um yeah, you'd have to switch constantly, and sometimes it wouldn't work because technology was bad back then. Nice. And yeah, it was, and I got to know what Thacker was, unfortunately, and um, <laughs> and how roles worked. And then, yeah, skip fifteen years. Um, I went through like a Halo period during that time, and then a whole bunch of other stuff and hobbies. And I was trying to find myself because it was in my early twenties. And then I got to the early 2010s, and then I just said, I love D&D, and I love fantasy. Let's stop playing these single-player RPGs. Well, let's not not stop playing them, but let's also play Dungeons & Dragons. So I started to try and find players. Couldn't find them, so I became a dungeon master, and then everybody flocked to me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's how you make the friend. Amy, how are you feeling? You got one? Yeah. I uh, I found D&D because my husband and I wanted to make friends in our new city. And uh, seeing as I'm here on this program with you, it appears to have worked. Um, <laughs> but I remember we went to a, to a gaming convention and you always sort of hear about Dungeons and Dragons. I, I didn't play until I was in my early 30s. So that was 2015 wasn't that long ago. I feel like a like an infant <laughs> compared to a lot of people who've been playing since the beginning of time. Um, but my husband and I sat down for like a two or a four hour game on a on a Friday night at a gaming convention. I'm a barbarian, you know. They they make it easier for the new kids, you know. Here, here's the stick. You hit things with it. <laughs> and I think I had. Uh, I got eaten by like a dire toad and I had giant badgers fall on me and I was, I was hooked. Like, this is amazing. Uh, So I just remember that, that joy, like this was, this was an amazing time. And when can we do this again? Um, And that's, that's what I want everyone to have. Like just that looking forward to, to having a good time with people. So That's what it's that, that moment of this isn't the character that I always want to be, but this was a really good time. Mm-hmm. What was yours, Bex? Um, actually, my my D and D core memory actually involves uh, Amy as part of this one. Uh, Amy oh. was in one of my one of my first long ever campaigns that we ran, and uh, I was on first time I'd done it on roll twenty, and uh, it was a good group. We had a we had a, a fun group of people from from our local uh, community. Uh, there's a scene. I don't remember exactly which uh, 
module it was, but there was a scene that I as a DM was building that they were just supposed to like leave the god orcs alone and not and not harass these orcs. So like in order to dissuade them, I, I indicated the orcs weren't hostile. They weren't looking to start a fight. They were actively celebrating. Uh, one of my players could could speak the language and learn that they were celebrating. It was, uh, what was his name? Tuck mm-hmm. Tuck, I think it was. It was his last day before orc retirement. He had raided his last village. <laughs> And he was about to pack it in and take go home and and raise and be a family man. <laughs> and I set this just to move on. And it's, that's the whole. There's nothing. There's nothing here. There's no treasure. Like it's just. And then the party at that moment goes, "Yeah, we're gonna kill all these orcs." <laughs> and he have a photo in his orc wallet of his orc family. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> that we discovered after his orc death. Yes. And and the family swore vengeance. And so throughout the rest of that campaign, we pe- we peppered in like children and siblings and, and the spouse of this Zug Zug the orc. That was his name. Zug Zug. Classic. Zug Zug. Um, <laughs> and uh, to me, that that is that's an it's an important memory to me in D and D because it like is that moment of just general like surprise, and then that yes ends and and making it work. And not only is that like fun thematically, but it enabled us as a group to find a flavor for the whole campaign because we it we took a turn at that point that we were the Power Rangers <laughs> Team Badger. <laughs> And that was and and I that was such a fun that was such a fun campaign uh, and that again like it's what I want everybody to have when they think about this game like um, you find the fun and you it's a, it's a playground in addition to a storytelling medium and a yeah. collaboration medium it's just uh, yeah you want people to go away and speak to their non D friends and say, you wouldn't believe what I just did this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, then you say it to them and their faces are just like blank. What did you do? <laughs> I, I rolled dice and crazy things happened. Yeah, there was a dragon <laughs> and uh, a, a fireball. Oh my goodness. You would not believe we nearly I survived. Died. Nearly died. <laughs> yeah. uh, Fallen into a pit trap. Um, <laughs> D and D is a uh, is a is a game, right? Is a playground. We've talked a bit about that. Uh, we've talked a bit about our core memories when we're talking about playing the game, right? Uh, I know we all have our favorite uh, class archetypes, right? Um, yeah, mine changes so, by monthly. <laughs> I feel like based on how the winds are blowing that day. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple different ones, uh, depending on. I have like a, a mainstay of a few that if I'm going to sit down at a table, I prefer playing. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's no surprise to James because <laughs> I've been playing a bunch of D and D with James recently. Um, Paladin is probably my number one. Uh, I just think that there's there, how they play is so cool, and I think their their flavor of combat and how they use their tools at their disposal is like. To me, I think it's is in terms of uh, frontline fighters. I, I think they're some of the most fun you can have playing the game, just because you've got so many tools and you're, you're going to do a bunch of damage. Uh, you can spec in a couple of different ways where you can like mitigate damage on somebody else, force enemies to attack you, like as um, at heal like a substantial degree. You can heal a bunch all you know, all in a go. Amy, favorite D and D character, uh, class archetype. I am a druid through and through. In my real life, I try to boop all of the dogs' meats that I can, and I make friends with cats, even though I'm allergic to them. <laughs> so being able to, you know, be a Disney princess and have, you know, animal companions or turn into a big angry bear or it's just... The, it's it's like having your own personal menagerie. It's amazing, you know, <laughs> and and 
Sometimes you turn into an adorable sneaky badger and sometimes you are a very angry wolf and just the finding the tools and the animal that suits the needs, uh, talking to birds, you know, finding, getting the scoop on what's going on by talking to, to the creatures is just very, uh, very snow white and yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, James, well, what uh, are we this well, month? Before, <laughs> before I go into what I like, I want to know what your core memories are of each archetype actually. So like, um, Amy, is there like a core memory for a druid that you const- that like got just got you hooked on being a druid in the first place? My first long term DM was a very uh, yes and and very let's go along with this nonsense and see what happens DM. <laughs> and so when I learned to conjure animals, and I learned that I could conjure like eight or a dozen <laughs> badgers at once that just became my shtick and <laughs> the badger ac- yes he actually found for me like little little badger uh i think they were like pathfinder like stand-up uh cards the pathfinder pawns box yeah yeah so I I had a little I had a bunch of badgers rolling around <laughs> in my dice bag with my dice and it was just like you know we're fighting a dozen skeletons and each badger gets a skeleton and so here we are over here my badgers are over there causing chaos and it just it worked out I was very pleased with myself yeah that's <laughs> amazing how much of it was you know I, in the rules I don't know how much of it aligned but <laughs> it was a really good time. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the rule cool there, isn't there? Like, you know, in that terms of... Yeah, what, what's yours, Berger, like, with paladins? Uh, um, like, there, I, paladins are... So there, there's a, a scene, I, I recall. Um, the amount of, like, hit point swing a paladin can create in a single turn, even at, like, level five, is absurd. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they can roll up to an area and deal two like devastating smites uh, actually you can only do one um and then also like lay on hand somebody for 30 hit points and then completely change like how how stuff is going on um in, in this example uh, i had a character um who was an oath of glory paladin uh and they they give a um Aura of Alacrity is the Paladin Aura, so that you get plus 10, 10 more feet of movement with the, if you start your turn within 5 feet of the Paladin. Um, and I was at a point where somebody could uh, end their turn in my space, and if I survived until their next turn, they could go up and then just finish the fight. Um, uh, so... Edrin, uh, as my character's Edrin, uh, shielded, you know, uh, 20 AC at level five is, is, is not a lot, but when you're taking, you know, <laughs> crossbow shots from yeah. like, Did you say that's not goblins. a lot? 20 <laughs> AC at level five is not a lot. Not that much. <laughs> Go talk um, to the wizard and yeah, see what they've yeah, got. Lot. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> Come on. Well, I we were, it was still not enough because I I actually went down um, and took a hit while I was down, um, but I was able to stabilize, um, get stabilized. So like I was able to be valid for the other person to go up there and you know, get the boss with a dash sneak attack. Because um, when your rogue is quick, you know, quick action dashing, that's an additional like it's you're just zooming off uh and that's uh, yeah and i was there to also make sure that the rogue was topped up before they left like and as just serving as just a general like keystone waypoint to initiate (laughs) the fight a checkpoint Um, they can get to (laughs) stop here get topped up can we get to edrin great the battle's won (laughs) right and uh and I think that there's something to be said about about a character that that is built to do that as part of the character's theming and concept of just 
being there to provide that push. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Dude, what's your what's your core memory? Oh, and you didn't you got out of telling us by, by distracting us. With um, core memories. It does change all the time. Um, uh, it's between two, and it, I'm not even gonna. You know, right now there is a favorite, but it just changes every week and month, and that's Druid and Wizards. Um, like I've and I have very clear core memories of both of them of several. I think with druids, it was with the. I was playing a mute druid, moon druid, who basically expressed himself through turning into beasts. Hmm. Um, so if he was angry, he would turn into a bear. If he was wanted to be sneaky, he would turn into a spider. Um, if he was trying to shy away, he would turn into a squirrel. You know, um, and stuff like that. Uh, did you have something to say, Bugs? I just have a question about. Yeah. Um druid density wow uh, yeah. shape-shifted could somebody just thwack the spider and then smoosh it they will take your hp down to zero and then you just sprout up with your current okay. hp or any that took over uh, okay would, yeah um so they could potentially kill you um, <laughs> um but if you have that's why like druids have potentially the highest hp of any uh of any class because you could turn into you know quite especially high levels really big things with a lot of hp um but my my core memory with riley that was his name um he was a dwarf without a beard um and he was very cute and i played him as very cute and and uh and stuff but my core memory with him is when i said to my dm uh you said there's there was a hole in that ogre right someone blew a hole through that ogre that was still alive right and they said, yes, James, I'm always pulling like weird stuff like this, right? And she says to me, what are you trying to get out? You'll see next turn, gets to my turn. And I use my entire turn to, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dwarf. So I jump into the hole with my athletics. I climb inside and then I turn into a bear. <laughs> bleep i have to bleep that out damn it yeah um yeah but you know she but you know typically that wouldn't be allowed in the rules because your beast shape you can only turn into something when the size allows it right but because it was so such a cool moment and the ogre was dying anyway uh she allowed it right and yeah so the ogre i exploded into a bear and the ogre <laughs> exploded outwards mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh there was no yeah um and yeah so that was that uh when it comes to wizards i have so many cool things with wizards because they can do so many cool things um but the thing just because bergs is here and uh i like to bully them about it um <laughs> i used to i used to play a character in their campaign called um Faye, Faye Belnardes. Curse of Castlevania. Who was based on he was the brother of of uh Cypher Bonardes from Castlevania. And uh he was a pacifist wizard. He didn't like to hit things, right? But he would buff and debuff everybody. Mm -hmm. Um uh and uh one thing I love to use was sleep. Um and I, I used to it, it the party didn't quite get it at first, but they got the handle of it eventually, and basically they would let me go in, cast sleep on the enemy, and at least one or two of them would fall asleep. Then we had a rogue who would go in stealthily and just get an auto crit. That's one dead, <laughs> right? And then <laughs> another one would die. Um, yeah, until eventually... Um... These people turned into SEAL Team 6. <laughs> until eventually Faye... Uh, I said to I said to Berg, it was like an end game demon god thing that we were facing against, and I kept on saying to Berg, how bad does it look? I kept on saying this throughout the entire <laughs> throughout the entire combat, and Berg wouldn't say. They were very like, I don't want to say how bad it looks because I know what you're trying to do, right? And I was like, please, can I make a check? I'll just not do anything this turn, and I'll make a check, right? 
and they let me do it. And then the next, and then the next turn, you said they were very badly injured. I said, I'm using it. I'm using it like a, I think it was like a fifth or sixth level sleep on this guy. <laughs> it was, it was like the the one spell of that level that he had that day, uh, and I was not. I was like, oh, well, and I sent this godly figure to sleep. He did, and uh, I was like, that's me. I'm done. <laughs> uh that was that was another it was another very fun campaign that like uh as a dm i really had to escalate the problem because we were we were having uh we had a you know a uh was it a death domain cleric um we had you as a seeker wizard subclass we had the dampier fighter um who was doing the vampire hunter uh subclass um we had a rogue didn't we uh it was yeah but they just got so good at picking stuff off that james would just incapacitate or paralyze um, or just paralyze. Keep, keep them i didn't want them because i was a pacifist both ways i didn't want them to hit my people and i didn't want to hit anybody because that mm-hmm. wasn't the seeker way i just didn't want to do it right yeah. um james was the delightful collaborator <laughs> on that campaign i messed with the players a lot it was a lot of fun uh it's one of the things i i thought was interesting because uh when we used roll 20 it hadn't had all of the, like the cool widgets that it has now when we did our campaign and like now it has a lot of like really neat extra stuff um to do while you're just with it like there's dynamic lighting mm. um it's real time dynamic lighting now too it used to be it would update when you placed your mini uh but um in this campaign i really messed with it a lot because i had uh, it subscribed to a map person on patreon who uh would do seasonal like you, you do a map for the month for the month and he would have here's this map in the winter here's this map at night here's this map with like detritus here's this map without it so i had one crossroads that i just had six versions of you just switch uh, with you. And I would just switch them from one. It would be rotated. It would be um, backwards, nighttime. It was just the same single tile. And each I had it set up for each one had different triggers and different traps because it would reset each time you didn't get the puzzle correctly. We were very um, frustrated, Amy. Like, <laughs> we, amazing. We, I think we were on it for like three weeks. We, yeah, we got we, stuck in the Konami. We got stuck in the the, Konta, the Kantara forest <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, until eventually we realized how it worked, and we just kicked ourselves. They they remember the Konami chant. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, it's, we... it's uh, similar to the the original Zelda, where if you don't know the exact way to get through that. Like you have to go, you know, like up and left and over, and otherwise you just end up back at the beginning. Yeah, that was the it was a, it was very much the lost forest uh, moment. Um, Hated it. That's my core DM memory. <laughs> the moment they figured that out uh, was to me because they were like they swore at me across the table. <laughs> yeah, we were so mad. They were so mad at me, but they were all laughing their yeah. asses off. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was very smart though because we didn't recognize it. and that's the thing about D&D is that like it, it's like uh, yesterday we played like Berger and mm-hmm. I played D&D I just started a new campaign it's based on Candlekeep Mysteries um, and the stuff that was released with that and I'm building it into my own world and uh, yeah there was you know in in that game there was stuff like that too wasn't there like that was happening all the time yeah. um, you guys <laughs> You, like these these guys were these guys were so I was so proud of them yesterday because I thought we we're going to start and it was just going to be an absolute a like, four hour slog. You've yeah. done, you've you've done you've done those long single sessions. I have. Right? <laughs> yeah, they could be. You have like you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you have if you have a player full of reserved players, if you have a party full of reserved players, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard to draw people out of their shell sometimes especially if you're if you have a new character like for me yeah. i don't know who a character is 
until I play them for a little bit. I have to learn their personality mm. to figure out what their quirks are versus uh, some players come in with all that backstory and their motivation and their accent. And, you know, it's just on that spectrum of where where people are and their comfort and their their players or their characters. So I... I am absolutely that person who's reserved at a table until I figure out, you know, what's my angle here, Yeah. you know, so being able to, but being able, that's, that's one of the great things about D&D is there's so many different approaches, you know, you can have the SEAL Team 6 uh, mm-hmm. style of campaign or session, or you can have the sort of like um, Benny Hill, everything's <laughs> chaos, chaos and nothing works uh so just on that you could take it super serious or you could take it not at all serious and everything in between and none of those things is wrong right exactly absolutely so when i'm at a table um i i recognize that uh and being having played on both sides of the uh proverbial fence there i when i'm at a table and you know you read the room you read the vibe and you know, you, you kind of want to help at least make that experience less bad for the DM. Um, I, I try to take on a role at a table of like, like get other people facilitated, uh, engage this person, you know, pull this person in. Oh, Hey, that's a good question to ask. Maybe our rogue about sneaking. Mm. Um, and I, <laughs> I certainly have a type with my characters where I, I at the very least, try to make, I generally make them pretty charismatic, um, at least interpersonally, uh, just because it makes sense for them to want to chat with people and, and pull people up. And so when I'm at a table, I'm generally uh, like, that's me. Yeah, no, and, that's, that's fair. Uh, just some, so some things don't vibe with you. Like, I've even had people that actually, I say some people, I've had a lot of people who, because I DM for people every week and mm-hmm. uh, different people all the time. And, you know, I've even had people say, you know, I don't think D&D is for me. You know, yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is not for them. And I'm like, well, don't don't discount tabletop RPGs. Sure. It might be D&D that is not gelling with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could, br- could bring us to another subject as well. Yeah. We have down uh, here, which is other... multiple yeah, RPG systems. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's a big field out there. D and D got a lot of people playing tabletop RPGs, and a lot of other companies took notice. Uh, so there's so much tabletop RPG content that's available to the general person right now. Yeah. Uh, if if you have a thing that you like a little bit, <laughs> there's a tabletop RPG that rules <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, are there any other are there any any other tabletop RPGs that you've tried and very much enjoyed that you probably likely would have only seen or thought about because of your time with D anD D? Um, yeah, uh, recently actually, past six months, I played and I just met them actually at MCon in Nottingham. Uh, there are uh, two some who have created an RPG system called Shiver, um, which is. Uh, based on basically 80s and 90s horror tropes, um, there is a, a time... It's it's meant to be played in an hour and a half, but it's a tabletop RPG. Things go a little bit awry. But um, there's a timer, and you get to certain points, and if you get to an hour and a half in the game, that's the end of the game. And if you haven't like done your goal, then it's game over. Um, this particular game I played, yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty cool. So you would, you can make a character and you can be all kinds of things. You would have like these set, like a, in D&D with set character. Um, I was a, I was a traveling, uh, I was a traveling father, a priest, um, who was selling God to people. We were all traveling salesmen and we got blown off the road by some scary scarecrow man. And it was basically catcher in the rye. Um, and yeah, we were <laughs> being chased <laughs> throughout the entire thing. So many weird things happened. I, I knocked him out with a Bible at one point. It was, <laughs> it was a time, but yeah, that was great. It has its own dice and stuff. 
Um, I really do recommend Shiver. Uh, again, it's just two guys who work on this. And I saw them at MCON again. It was lovely to see them. Uh, and I really do recommend that. We should probably give them a shout out in the in the tweet as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you, Amy? Any other? I have a couple of uh, favorites. Um, one of them, I think, is still based on 5th edition D&D, but it's a little different. Uh, it's called Animal Adventures. <gasps> Going back to yes. my druid. <laughs> Animal Adventures is so much fun. Personality. <laughs> like, I was a dog. We were all dogs. We were all different kinds of dogs, and each had our own you know, abilities. And I was like, this is, this is a delight. You know, we were yeah. pirate dogs, I think for, for a couple uh, <laughs> of sessions, but uh, my big favorite has been cyberpunk red. I've been playing that recently yeah. uh, since it came out, I think what late 2020, I think. Yeah. And um, it took me a long time to get used to only playing with D tens and D sixes instead of all of the dice. Uh, so there was a running joke in my group for a while that's like, Amy, you roll the D10 instead of the D20. You know, how did you get your number so high? Um, <laughs> so uh, that was, that's a lot of fun, especially like it has a mechanic where it, if you roll a 10, you know, your dice explode and you get to roll again and you do better. And like, it just, it can compound upon itself. But at the same time, if you roll very poorly, it'll start to detract from how well you might have been doing. And it just, you know, you you fail spectacularly. But playing in a, in a futuristic dystopian world where everything's miserable and, and cybernetic and uh, it's very different from playing, say, you know, your typical fantasy-based TTRPG. It's a nice, it's a nice change of pace. It's a little, a little grittier and a little, you get to explore different aspects of a, a character mm. that you might create and a story you might tell. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have another one actually. You just reminded me of okay. an RPG. I can't believe I didn't reckon, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> um, as a similar system where if you succeed a lot, you will be rewarded. But if you do not, it's only a D6 system. You will be punished uh, with a stress system. But yeah, that's another one. Uh, I got a couple um, that I very, very, very much enjoy. Um, the the first one is called uh, Ten Candles, oh, which man. is a very fun little like ten person. Sorry, Ten Candles is a single session RPG. Um, it doesn't require ten people. <laughs> Um, but in it, you, each game is, is your, the understanding that the whole game is going to wrap up in a single session. At the start of it, you record your character, you like very simple character creation process, uh, and you um, you record your character's final words, and then you progress through the uh, the story. There's uh, you roll dice to um, like succeed or fail checks that a storyteller is you know, managing. Uh, and each time you fail, the number of dice that you take away um, corresponds to the number of candles that get in, like that go out. If you accidentally blow out a candle, you take a die away. Like so, the number of candles indicates the amount of remaining uh, rounds of gameplay effectively you have uh, until the your character ultimately dies and the story concludes. Um, or doesn't, you know, because in, in the one we had, ours was themed on on the thing that we played. And um, the ending was like, yes, you died. But just like in the movie, it was left ambiguous at the end, um, which was a lot of fun. Ten Candles. Um, very, very fun little, like, thematic internal RPG. Um, I also like Starfinder a whole lot. Uh, I think Starfinder is a lot of fun talking about, like, the system is very similar to 5e, um, closer to 5e than Pathfinder 2 e ended up being. But um, base adventures, uh, it's for me. Uh, the the ship to ship combat in the game really wasn't, but uh, I we we played this years and years ago at this point, and I liked it at the time enough that I still remember my uh, my 
effectively it was the Jedi. I was one of the Jedi characters. I had a special sword and special armor, and I was like a member of the army. That uh, his backstory was that he uh, lied about surviving a great battle, uh, when in reality he was hiding the whole time. Ooh. Drama. Uh, and that was his yeah. <laughs> that was his Pathfinder character drama because like they have you are a Starfinder in the society of starfinders and go out and that's like the premise of that game uh that would be my other uh jr my other tabletop rpg recommendation i, I think like as you said earlier on bergs like D has opened so many people up to these things and you know i was because my brain can't really absorb a lot of things at the same time like D uh, D, i know extremely well i know it's law very well simply because i basically grew up with that world um, but over the years and slowly being were given these games and uh, made to come to, come to games and play them, I've come to realize that, you know, there's so much more to give in, t- in the tabletop RPG scape. Because um, you can tell any any story that you have in D&D, you could tell in any other RPG, essentially. Yeah. Uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, a matter of, like, consolidating. Like... Yeah. It's just a matter of reconciling that mechanically, right? I mean, I've yeah, like uh, the the D and D fifth edition system is so good. That, I mean, I've done crossovers like all the time. I've done alien crossovers. I've done Disney Eldorado crossovers. I've done Castlevania um, crossovers. <laughs> yeah, Castlevania crossovers. I mean, DMing them. Um, yeah, yeah. I've done a ton of crossovers, and they go at all, all about which place, you know um everywhere uh and i absolutely adore doing it and i even like homebrew my own games now like i think you get to a certain point uh where there's just some things in 5e that don't really work that great like crits for instance (laughs) um with how crits function in 5e uh if you have a great sword and you crit and you roll two ones oh (laughs) it's bad news so i I've taken from a previous edition, for instance, fourth edition. Um, everybody hates that edition, but I, I like their crit system. They've just kind of tweaked it a little bit. Like you can change things however you want, you know, however you want to change it. And again, that that's you know the famous words of none of it is wrong. Right. Um, some of it might not work. Some of it might work better than other things. Um, but whatever you're doing it for, it it work it works for you. If it works for you, then it should be fine. Let's talk about. We've talked a lot about how we've engaged with D anD D, and and about how impactful it's been to us. Uh, I want to take a moment to highlight the the impact D you know the current state of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons had on like the community as a whole. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is a much friendlier place now than it oh, used yeah. to be. Um, Rather, I would say go so far as to say tabletop gaming in general is much friendlier now than it was. Uh, beyond just Dungeons and Dragons, uh, it goes to show the amount of work that a lot of companies are putting into kind of cultivating a, a time, like the you know cultivating away the old guard and the old feedback in regards to their community cultivation practices. Uh, and uh, definitely here for that. One hundred percent. What has y'all's experience been with uh, the? That's a silly question to ask Amy because I, I, she, I know she has a lot of feelings on the community. More than the dragons. More. It's it's a lot. It's better than it used to be. Yeah. But it's still a mixed bag, still you know. And, and yes. And yeah. a lot of my experience comes from in-person events. And so that that's completely different than when you're, you know, you can sort of, um, like if you join a server that's aimed for certain, you know, types of, of, of role play or uh, groups of people, you know, like you can sort of, I, on the internet, you have the ability to sort of curate your experience, you know, you, you put that time in, but if you show up to a game shop or if you show up to a, like say a gaming convention, like PAX Unplugged, like you don't necessarily know what you're going to get when yeah. you sit down at a table with a bunch of strangers. And that's, that's where all of my anxiety lives in my chest is like, what is this table going to be like? 
because I've been both a new player and I've been someone who's teaching D&D and there's there's still some attitude from say we'll call them the old guard you know I uh recently was teaching fifth I was teaching a learn to play fifth edition uh session at PAX Unplugged and I have older players who are coming from older editions of the game and just that sort of I'm doing the teaching and you are coming in to my table and telling me that I'm doing it wrong based on what you know from a game from 20 years, years ago, ago. Yeah. Years ago. And it's like, no, no, I promise, you know, it's not that I don't know what I'm doing. It's just different from what you're used to. So sometimes there's that, uh, well, I've been doing this longer than you have attitude where it's like, that's not actually right. You know, those terms don't exist anymore in this edition of the game. Like that's, let's figure out what you want to do, but translate them to the new rules, you know? Right. Uh, but there's still some of that, um, Some of those older attitudes still prevail both towards the game and towards the people who play it. I yeah, bet they, I bet they couldn't. I bet they couldn't wait to tell you that the last time they played was thirty years ago, or you know, they, those were playing. the good old days, or you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like as you well. sit down. We one of my sort of ice breaking questions. You know, I've got a, a brand new table of seven people. Like, hey, you know what? Why are you here? You know why? What brought you? Uh, why why do you want to learn? Yeah, it's like how, what got you into it? You know, were you watching Stranger Things? Were you, uh, do you watch Critical Role online? Um, and just being able to see the, the number of different things that have brought people to a table. And like, you know, people that are excited to play. And then there's the guy who's like, well, I've been playing D&D for 30 years. So, okay, great. You know, we're going to teach you how to play this. Uh, and some of them were open-minded and wanted to learn the new things. And some of them just wanted to to learn how to do the old things and their things a new way. And that's that's a struggle. It's actually... When I have... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it's actually those people who say the year thing is precisely why I don't say how long I play D&D. Because I think as soon as you say something like that, it's a huge anxiety bomb. Like yeah. on, the, on the table. Like, it's like, well, immediately you're trying to put yourself as the alpha of the table. Right? You're saying you have the experience here. When, as you said, they clearly do not. <laughs> right. That's definitely a, a bit of a struggle to deal with as a as a dungeon master. I, I will absolutely agree um, and share. Yeah, I'm a big, yeah, I'm a yes end sort of dungeon master when I'm playing. I, I like to see where I like to follow... I like to let my players kill the goblin they're not supposed to kill and find out what happens when uh, my wizard keeps sleeping all of my monsters. I, I just spawn my Hi. monsters. That's me. <laughs> uh, so when I say that, I, you know, I don't mind a problem player. That's or problem situations is what I need to say. Like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. When I have a problem player, um, which is to say somebody who's just more insistent on doing the things they want to do than playing the game with other people. That's, that's my like community struggle. Uh, I, uh, I had a player at one point who there's a, there's a, I used to say that when I, when I was playing, when I was playing games, I, I would hate the sound when you're like doing games online with people and there's no cameras involved. And every time you say, Oh, Hey person, it's your turn. You hear the sound of their, phone hitting the table mm. every before they start talking um <laughs> yeah uh, that would be my my thing but in terms of of how many people are at that table like you said seven new people at a new person's game that's a lot that's a lot of people and having been at that particular convention there were probably 20 30 other tables that were just as packed doing the exact same thing 100 percent. but it's uh, to me i love teaching new players like that's uh, my jam so cool. yeah. like if y'all are experienced dms and you want to take those high level players with all their shenanigans and stuff 
you can have them. Give me a newbie. I'll teach them how to use their sticks. Uh, that's that's my, that's my happy place. I'm exactly yeah. the same. I, the reason why I love new players is because they always think of something you weren't thinking yeah. about. Like they always go, but can I do that? As soon as I hear that question, right, it makes yeah, me light up in my brain, <laughs> right? I'm like, well, technically no, but let's see what the dice say, <laughs> you know, in my head, that's what's going through, you know, and I'll go, you know, you do the kind of the Matt Mercer thing or whatever. You can try it if you want. We'll see what happens. You know, um, I loved, I love it when I love being asked questions too. Yeah. Like when you're in a game and like, cause that's when you get those questions, you know, you've won the trust of the player. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, because they they they're listening to you, like uh, attentiveness. I realize now, you know, we'll get onto it a little bit later. But I realize now, you know, phones are a big part of D and D, and you know, um, also that it's a fidget thing. Sometimes people have, and you know, I do it as well. You know, I sit there and just doodle on my my notepad sometimes and stuff like that. But um, you, you always know the attentive people when you turn to somebody and say, uh, "So, so what are you doing?" And they go, "Huh." you know and they just double take you um and then you have to sit there for the next two minutes going over what just happened um uh, i do have players though that take care of that sometimes and they will turn it into a role play experience which i also really appreciate yeah Uh, players who help you out as a dm they realize that you have a million things going through your through your brain you know so they sit there and say ah you know i'll take care of this so this is what happened um you know, it gets them involved and immersed into the game. They're not just looking at you as this referee, you mm. know, person. Um, you know, they'll see you as the the referee of fun and the, the yeah, you know, the guardian like of the game. Of fun. Uh, my favorite moment for for new people is when that thing they they wanted to try works. Mm. Like when somebody for the first time does a does a cool thing with their toy. Ah, it makes me so happy. The first time somebody rolls a crit, oh yeah, like, wait, oh I get more. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I uh, when I, I got my spouse uh, to play D anD D once, and uh, he played a rogue, uh, which is the yeah here have more dice to roll on your attacks. Uh, and that was again her favorite. Is like, oh, I, that was the response. It was like, oh, I get more if, yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and then you know, straight rolling all those dice. It's the same thing with like, you know, I think any game. Um, in terms of as a universal like game language, teaching somebody how to play something and then hindering their opportunities to play with their cool toy, like, you know. Uh, when your thing works, it feels great, right? Um, but also managing when it when it doesn't work out, you have to deal with it. Like that's the I, to me, I think that that's the like the with with trying to keep energy at a new table when the player's like, oh, they get their second attack in, like, oh, we missed again. Oh, you needed a thirteen, huh? Oh, uh, that's um, you know, and as DMs, we should like, and that, and so for me, in that second attack, they they'd have just made it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is is interesting. You're thinking about the talking about the guardian of the game, integrity of the fun. That's the kind of calls that that you make at, at newbie tables. Um, beat I, me at the game on your first try, yeah. please. I I have this thing, and Bergen knows about it, but I have this thing I call. I call them my nemesis, and that is power DMs. They're people who I uh, I used to run a Facebook group um, where I used to do five, six one shots a week and campaigns and stuff. And I used to have a DM who loved killing players. That was their the thing they loved doing, and I was like. You know, I didn't criticize because like, that's your way of playing, you know, and I, you know, there used to be new players who used to go into their games and I used to think, oh man, you're going to hate D&D. You go yeah. into that game, you're going to hate it. You're going to go to your friends and get, no, it wasn't for me. You know, I always used to kind of scoop them up. I no, 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 come to my game. <laughs> you know, I won't kill you, I promise. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, 
death happens. It can happen. Um, I made a tweet about it a few weeks ago, but I always give my players a choice. And that's the big thing is the agency there. Like if, say if, um, I mean, first time it ever happened all those years ago to a player, I, I took the player, I'm as distraught as they are. I take him back to the back room. We take a break and I say, okay, I'm going to give you two choices. You can either keep this character and we can figure something out, right? Or you can roll another character, right? It's up to you, whatever you want to do, we'll figure it out. I promise. You know, um, and since then, that's what I've just been doing. You know, but other DMs, they like, they do that ripping up a character sheets thing and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, that's so toxic. <laughs> that That's a, that's a memory there. That's a sentimental thing, you know. Um, right. It's time, energy, keep. and pieces of, like, pieces of somebody's themselves that they put into creation for that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, I literally yeah. cried the first time my character died. With the first time I had a permanent character death, no I way. was home. It was just so because I we'd been playing through um, the the Curse of Strahd series of the organized play adventures. It was mm-hmm. the final final adventure, and I had a notebook full of clues and hints. And it's a very linear storyline. You get to that final battle, and it doesn't work. And I was because you you spend so much time and and you're you're really you've bonded with those characters that you've been playing for a while and I was just like oh oh no you know it's 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 real and it's just a game but it's real mm. you know and you have that that visceral reaction to losing yeah. a character luckily my my sheet didn't get torn up but she's safely tucked in a drawer <laughs> somewhere. The the risk is there. Like I, I they're not released yet. But I made a bunch of blog posts about kind of D and D, and like one of my things was the risk versus fun factor. You need to have that risk there. It needs to be a thing that's there because that's right. what makes it fun. Um, you know, sometimes you know when I feel like the players are having a little bit too easy of a time, I'll sneak a natural twenty in there. You know, just to you know shake things up a little bit. Um, but I don't do it often. Um, because I feel like the math is good in 5e, um, where it happens just enough. But yeah, and then sometimes if, you know, the monsters are doing too well and I roll a natural 20, I'll say it's a five as well. <laughs> right. You know, you, um, you have to you have to keep the game engaging and fun for yeah. for everybody yeah. involved. Community uh, is such that it is. Uh, it has spawned not only a creator renaissance within the tabletop RPG space, but also a technological renaissance. What are your all's thoughts on D and D as a service? In terms of you know, there's D and D Beyond. There's um, you know, a DMs on demand or the organized play that's set up to encourage folks to give people new tools to to play the game. Do you think that having digital tools uh, detract at all from the gameplay experience? I think it's it's kind of magic, honestly. Yeah. Like the way that the technology has evolved, especially um, especially through the pandemic. You know, yeah. uh, as working in organized play, you know to see all of the stores and the convention shut down immediately have no idea you know when everything would open back up and being able to tell your communities okay you know this is what a discord server is this is how you can continue you know this is the technology available to you you know there's world 20 there's you know you can do it without maps you can do it just on voice chat uh i think it's i think it's good for getting people who maybe don't want to take that, you know, that step and go to a game store, go to a convention, or maybe you want to get to know somebody a little bit better. Maybe you just want to do play by post, you know, in a, in a discord server. Um, But I think there's almost where like too much of a good thing becomes like terrible. Sometimes, you know, like when D and D serve or with D and D Beyond servers go down and you can't a- access your character sheet in the middle of a a game session when you're at a oh. table, you know, like I am still 
I am still a pen and paper kind of person. You know, I have my character sheet, I have my dice, you know, but more than half of our table uh, at our weekly game uses D&D Beyond for their character sheets. You know, it's easy, it's quick, you know, yeah. but if those servers go down, then we're improvising, mm-hmm. which right. is also fun. And I do, I do appreciate, you know, there's the services where... You can sign up for a game. You know, there are professional DMs who will run a game for you and some friends or some strangers, you know, whenever you want. And being based across, you know, multiple time zones, maybe your work schedule says that you only get to play at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, but that's 3 p.m., you know, six hours from where you are. There's six time zones away. So maybe there's someone available, you know. So I think it's, it's blessings and curses all over the place it was it was very hard for me (laughs) when dini beyond first came out god i looked at that and gone and just looked at it as if it was the holy grail to me because i had so many people who were just like i just don't like doing the math you know and i also know a couple of people who have dyscalculia so you know that's a huge thing like a huge barrier and i'm like don't worry. Like if you, if I just say just the thing, the just click the button, you know, um, you don't need to even look at the numbers. It's fine. Um, that, and just the accessibility of it, um, going, going a little bit back to kind of the community for a second. I, I remember someone on, again, it's always on Twitter, just people being weird. Um, but there was someone I was just, you know, lording over, D&D 5th edition and D&D Beyond about how accessible it is and how easy it is to get into a game like you were saying Amy and like you know finding people is very easy too and I remember some person saying accessible it's the most inaccessible TTRPG I went you know Daenerys Targaryen face you know like what do you mean because anybody could play in fact I can put you in one of my games right now you know if you wanted to play with me um but yeah, I loved it. Like, but unfortunately, during that time, we had a lot of people who, again, the old guard who were like, I'm pen and paper only, you know, and it became a problem because they were bringing their, their things and numbers weren't working out and things like that. And I was like, if you go on Dini Beyond, you can still have your sheet there if you right. want, you know, because I understand I do initiative and notes and everything. That's all on paper for me. Like I have to because it's quicker for me and it feels more natural right? You can have both. Just have both there so it's easier for you, right? It means I can look at your character too, very easily, right? And I can change things and I can even give you little gifts sometimes that you won't see what's coming, you know? Um, yeah, it changed everything for me. And yeah. in fact, d and Beyond uh, inspired me to do what I do now, which I'll talk more about at the end of the show. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just made it so accessible and lovely and easy uh, to work with. I love it. I have lo- I have never hidden the fact that much I appreciate and I love uh, the online D&D tools that are available to us. Not just D&D Beyond, mm. um, but the, uh, what do they call it? 5e um, tools. The 5e tools is just such a wonder. Have you heard of 5e tools, Amy? It's, it's ringing some bells in my brain, yeah. but it's just a, you can a simple suite of digital online tools. The one I like to use a lot is like a DM screen, and it's just a bunch of panels that are just about yay big on your screen and you can assign them to be whatever you want it links to the vtt you're using so if you click on the ghoul it'll populate a uh, on your dm screen it'll populate a ghoul's uh, initiative in the game on the vtt um it's uh it's and i'm gonna be critical dean beyond here <laughs> they should hire the people who are working at 5e.tools because they have really bad DM tools on um, d Beyond, right? Whereas 5e.tools has honestly carried me in terms of a DM, like with its tools and how the things you can do with it. Um, so I really, yeah. one day, I hope that d Beyond will take some of those tools over. So uh, one of the things I did when I did Curse of Castlevania was I had those panels visible on the stream so people watching the stream could see the DM screen, see behind the DM screen uh, and what was happening and what was coming up for the players. Um, 
which I thought would be fun for people to be able to enjoy along it with It was. Me. When I was looking back at it, it was cool. I liked it. Um, because, I mean, I get that the information is always there, and, and we did have the tracker D&D Beyond's uh, trackers. For the one that they have for Twitch, the, the integrated HP tracker is dope. Um, but like you said, in terms of just general like game tracking, the initiative tracker that's on the 5e tools is just way better than any of the tools available anywhere else. So good. Um, like if, if I, if you're against a dragon, right, and you don't have enough d6s, for instance, and you have to roll like 18 d6s, right, you go on 5e.tools, you just click 18 d6s in the ability, like it, in it, there, and it rolls it for you. It's it awful. has, it has a, um, it has a function to scale a, a scale a like yeah. you input the character levels for all the people and then scale the encounter to that appropriate challenge rating like so, automatically as part of the math it's is dope uh online online tools uh dms as a service um are are really fantastic as well providing games to people who might not normally have access to a consistent mm-hmm. gaming experience um and there's or, um Sorry, there's there's also Incarnate, which is what I use as a map making uh, app. Like, it means that I can make maps and feel like an artist. <laughs> I mean, be an artist, right? It's still yeah, essentially, it gives you the tools so you can, like, just... I mean, I've learned so much, and I think I've been a part of it for six years now. It's not just for D&D, obviously. It's TTRPG. You can put yeah. X's on it, grids on it, whatever you want. Um, you know, but it's so good. It only cost me 26 25 quid a year and yeah it's fantastic that's that's another kind of D service or D thing that i pay for to improve my games is, uh, is, is there a specific online tool that you appreciate a great deal amy you'd like to i i i'd like to give a shout out to to start playing games where they it's that's you know, the, the DMs as the service, you know, mm-hmm. being able to, you know, find a game or a, a DM and like request a game, you know, I've got four friends and this is an adventure that we want to play, but none of us wants to DM. So you can hire someone, you know, it's fantastic. Cause honestly, who doesn't want to not DM, you know, we've all, we all know that friend that's all they do because they're the only one who's willing to do it yeah uh in in my it's my it's my husband you know and he loves it most of the time i think he hasn't said he won't do it anymore but it's nice to be like okay we're gonna give everyone a chance to play you know or if you want to play something before you run it yeah uh, for your a different group of friends you can have that experience of oh, well how does this person do it you know what would i change and i think that's one of the biggest things for me as a player is learning from other dms so that i can borrow their tricks you know when i'm running my own table so but you know being able to say you know i'm just a single player or it's me and my friend and we don't have a full party. We don't have someone who will DM for us. And using a service to connect with someone who can DM for you online is magic. <laughs> Literally is magic. <laughs> At its basis concepts uh, in this wizard's theory thesis. <laughs> I will talk about. This is uh, our literal. This is our D&D TED talk that we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um Thank you so much to for thank you so much for joining me to the both of you, uh, Amy especially. I thank you for taking the time. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, both on Twitter and Instagram, where I post pictures of my adorable dog uh, at l a d y d z r a Lady Dezora. That's me. Um, and if you play Stellaris and want to come hang out i monitor their twitter account as one of their community ambassadors so come say hello and tell us how much you love the game or tell us what you don't like and i'll tell my bosses <laughs> still are so much i just started it last night because i actually wanted to know what the game was all about uh and i was very overwhelmed <laughs> by everything <laughs> you should uh, we should... there's a lot 
Yeah. We should try the co-op beta. So we should try the co-op sometime, James. Apparently, it's much more manageable for people. Cool. Um, James, thank Hello. you for joining me as well. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Moist Owler OFF on Twitter. Um, you can also find me at Mortal Deeds. Um, and you can also go to mortaldeeds.com, which is where uh, I do a D&D service that we've been talking about, where it's a roguelike progression system where you play a one-shot or a mini-adventure. And we have a whole like, working magic shop and everything that I've been working on and an app and things. And you can sign up for games. Next Saturday, we have a one-shot uh, setup uh, called... I've forgotten the name, but it's something about ravens and crows and people in sewers. It's very exciting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're currently... All slots are open, so if you want to take part, just go to mortaldeeds.com. Excellent. And of course, they'll be every Saturday from now until perpetuity because of the nature of how this content gets released. <laughs> uh I think that about does it for this episode of A Moment to Relief. I do want to thank both of our guests for joining us. Please, uh, round of applause for both Amy and James. Uh, and if you'd like to follow us uh, at First Aid Spray, join us on Patreon. Follow us on the YouTubes and the Twitter, all at FA Spray Pod. And I have been Berger. Y'all have been great, and thank you for watching. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 bye.